0: Hey folks, welcome to the Roots Report Podcast, presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by The Parlor, All one Entertainment, The Trinity Brewhouse Beer Garden, Gray Sale Brewing of Rhode Island, and SC Microphones. I am your host, John Fusick. Today we have Peter Kakaunen and Slick Aguilar of the Airplane Family. The Airplane Family reunites original and legacy members of Jefferson Starship, Jefferson Airplane, Hot Tuna, Bob Wears Rat Dog, the David Crosby Band, and more to perform the 50th anniversary of Paul Cantner's Jefferson Starship Masterpiece, Blows Against the Empire, as well as other Jefferson Airplane classics. The Airplane Family will be performing at the Narrow Center for the Arts on Friday, November 4th. So, Slick, welcome to the Roots Report podcast. It's nice talking to you after learning about you a long time ago from the, I guess it's okay to say that we were kind of connected Way back, almost, <laughs> almost, almost a long, long time ago. But it didn't come to be. But we we should have met a long time ago. We didn't. But uh... it kind of sounds like thank God for you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, knowing what time, I know, of course it is. I'm going anywhere else with that one? But anyway, yes. How, how are you? All right. So you you're playing with uh, the airplane family at the Narrow Center for the Arts, and you've been with uh, you've. You've been with the Airplane family for quite a while, but you've had an association with the Airplane and Starship for, for and been part of the band for a long time. Tell me about that.
1: Well, in um, 82 and 84, 83, 84, I was out with David Crosby. And I got hooked up with him through a guy named Bobby Ingram out of Coconut Grove in uh, Miami. And I just did some recordings for... This gentleman, Bobby Ingram, down in Coconut Grove, and David came over to his house. We all knew he was friends with David and had met David. And David goes, let me hear what you're doing now, Bobby. And he heard it, and he goes, who's that guitar player? And it was it was me. He goes, uh, it's Slick. He says, you want to go here and play? He's playing right now. So they came down to the place I was playing, which is outdoors in Coconut Grove. Really, you know, total Miami, South Beach kind of thing, you know. And, uh, you know, I got the gig with him, went on the road with him for, like, you know, an imagine space of four years and marty Balin saw me in 83 so marty called me up in miami and says sick i want you to come out and play guitar for me i went out there to marin now this is the best way to go to marin now you're a musician you know how this goes i mean you can go hey i'm gonna go to la and go make it
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's not the way <laughs> You
1: know, <laughs> how many fucking times you go to a restaurant out in LA and say, hey, what do you do? Well, I'm an actress, but uh, right now, can I take your order? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it's like, this is the best way to get into Marin and all the, the top people there. Because every, everybody lived there, man. You had Carlos, who I had played with already, uh, uh, you had all a journey. All a Grateful Dead, Huey Lewis and all those guys, Greg Kinn, Metallica. God, there's a couple other uh Night Ranger, whole bunch of yeah. You know, this is all Marine County, dude. Wow, this is unbelievable. Except Metallica, I think is East Bay, but um you know Petaluma, right up the road, is where they make boogie amps and stuff. So Marty saw me play with David, called me up and said, "Hey, I need a guitar player. Come on." I joined his band. Paul was fired from the Starship in '83, '84. He started coming around our Marty's Rehearsal Hall, which is a famous place in Marin where everybody rehearsed. Maria Moldard. Actually, the Sons of Champlain made it a rehearsal place. So uh, I'm sitting out there doing that whole deal with them and uh, just having a good time. And, and I said to Paul, I said, Paul, why don't you come in and jam with us? He says, well, Marty and I have this whole thing, you know, idea. When you guys come back from New York, you know, we're going to do a little tour of the bottom, uh, not bottom line, it's closed now. Lone Star Cafe. So that's how long ago that was. You know, it's like So uh we got back, Paul says sick like, he says I, I told him I says, you know, if you need a guitar player, Paul, I'd love to play with you. He goes, You would <laughs> <laughs> No. No, Paul. I think I would pass on you, Marty and Jack Cassidy. You know? <laughs> i came all the way out of here just to play with you know marty so yeah so anyway that all happened it was called the kbc
0: band I, I actually have that i have that album oh you bought it <laughs> honestly i want it but i do like it i did really like it back then it's a cassette yeah <laughs> but i do remember really liking it it had that it had this the uh, the airplane kind of vibe to it shall yeah, i like.
1: Well, it was those guys man I'm telling you the first time I was in a rehearsal with those guys I walk in there and I meet Jack and I had already, of course Paul had already been coming around and, and seeing me in the park with Marty and that stuff and he, he we became good friends and Paul doesn't have a whole lot of good you know a lot of friends because he's not a social butterfly he's just not into that you know and me coming from ten other brothers and siblings uh you know it's like uh, it was easy for me to grab him and pull him into you know a safe place and go come on man let's Go do this. Let's go. He's a boxing fan, and so am I. And so we'd always watch boxing matches and shit on the road. We go see him close circuit, you know. They'd like, "Let's go, man. Uh, Hagler and Leonard's fighting tonight, and we're up in Boston, dude. You know, we're out there. We went to some theater that wasn't too far from where the Cheers Bar is because we had to run home in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> and we're running by the Cheers Bar. And of course, I want to go. Let's go duck in the hey, Norm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> They Paul, everybody'll know your name here too, <laughs> yeah. so we went and saw that fight man it, uh, people up in Boston didn't like the the outcome of that one uh, Leonard beat Hagler up <laughs> yeah. so and, and Massachusetts wasn't putting up with that. Yeah. Yeah. you don't fuck with that audience. <laughs>
0: no, you don't screw with a Massachusetts
1: audience that time, yeah, it's like fucking with Philly crowd.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and i think philly's worse but anything anyway. <laughs> so you went out on the road with the kbc band yeah we went out and did some of that and you know came back and tried to put another record together because we were signed with clive davis with right. records we got a really nice deal with him and they nobody could agree on the songs for the second record you know and so clive sent his boys out here Uh, Not here, but out in San Francisco when I was living there. And he would bring in songs, and they'd sit in our rehearsals and go, what about this? And then Paul and Marty started getting pissed off, and they go, fuck this, we can write better songs than this. And we went, well, do it, you know, and they're not doing it, so... we lost the last part of the uh we we kept all the money but we lost the second record so and then that and that took to about 88 89 came along and the airplane got back together for a tour which was all dollar based you know it was for nothing but that you know and it's like they didn't even record together and stuff so it was kind of weird you know paul didn't play on any yorma songs or marty songs and yorma wouldn't play on paul's songs and i you know i mean it's it's not a band.
0: Right, right. Well, that so, happens. That happens.
1: And, and by that time, the uh, the other star Mickey Thomas is part of the Starship, which he came in later on and, and and you know, took over for Marty. You know, he uh said to the record company he says, "I want a solo deal." He says, "The last record was a solo deal, dude, and it didn't sell." So, no. <laughs> It was you know. So um, then Paul got the name back and he put it all back together and he used more than half a KBC. We added Papa, we took the horn out, added Papa, put a violin in Papa John, who was amazing. Right, right, yeah, oh, I remember
0: okay. those days.
1: And we added a girl. Changed drummers to Prairie Prince from Daryl Verdusco, and uh, it, was, it was great. We had a good time, and I ran with that for almost 25 years. Really? Wow. Yeah, that was like uh, 91, 92. And I had to stop right before, uh, you know, my liver went
0: bad. Yeah, I saw something about that. That's not good.
1: I had hep C, and I had to have a liver uh, transplant. Oh.
0: Yep. Um, So you've played with uh, Santana, Rick Derringer, Stephen Stills, Edgar Winter, Raymond Zarek, Todd Rundgren, Greg Allman. I mean, it's just the list goes on. These are
1: all live gigs. Yeah. Yeah we'd be playing shows with them yeah. rick, rick was opening for us and i said rick why don't you get up here and play volunteers with us and, and other side of this life our encore and rick, rick obliges he's a nice guy he, he's a little hung up on himself but uh you know it's like <laughs> you know and, I, and my one of my favorite records as a kid and i wasn't really a kid i was 8 19 you know was road work mm-hmm. and edgar winter's white trash they used to play in miami a whole lot man i'd go down and watch him at miami beach convention center you know out in the front lawn and stuff it's miami you know it's outdoor and they just come down there and tear up south florida and it's like and johnny winter did his record johnny winter and live or live and that record that he did with rick my other buddy, uh, Bobby Caldwell, and uh, that was a, one of the best blues albums ever, man, for me. Mm. You know, if you want to learn blues guitar, man, go pick up that Johnny Winter record.
0: I, I actually just saw uh, Edgar Winter for the first time a few weeks ago when he played with Ringo, which was kind of interesting. He's, he's an interesting guy. <laughs>
1: uh, you, you do see on that thing that I played with Edgar.
0: Right, right, yeah.
1: Yeah, Marty and I were in uh, uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Actually, we I think we went down to Montgomery. And uh, I think that's where what's his face is buried. Uh, uh, who's the guy that hung out with uh, Woody Guthrie all the time? Oh, Leadbelly? Belly? No, 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 no. It's, uh, his, his son's a big uh, country star. Hank Williams. Oh, Hank Williams. Yeah, Hank is, Hank's got a beautiful tomb there. They took me to his gravesite. And we were playing, Marty and I would go and play his songs with Ambrosia. Oh, I like Ambrosia. <laughs> oh, they're great. They're, they're great and a bunch of nice guys. But uh, we'd go out there and they'd have, they had Bob Welch from uh, Fleetwood Mac, and he would play and come out and play there. Ambrosia comes out and does three, four songs, Then they go, Bob Welsh. Bob comes out, does his uh, sentimental (laughs) What is that? Sentimental Journey? Sentimental Lady. I
0: actually cover that song sometimes when I'm doing solo gigs.
1: Sentimental Lady. Yeah. So, or they did that. I didn't play with Bob on that, but Bob came out and played. We all did the encore together with volunteers, and I got to direct everybody through that and go solo 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 <laughs> yeah. and uh and edgar is just he's way cool and one of my heroes you know so i got to hang out with him and then called him when he played red bank over here at count Basie, and he says look man let me put you on to the uh tour manager he'll hook you up your tickets tonight and it was johnny winter Edgar Winner and uh, Rick Derringer, the last time I saw Johnny.
0: And the one, like I said, the one that I was, thought was very cool was Neil Young, because Neil is, you know, I, I tribute him in my band, so.
1: He, this was at that time period where they're doing that uh, the Leonard Skinner thing. You know, they, uh, uh, Stills and Young band and remember young left in the middle of the, the tour eat a peach and that's where uh you know what's his face says uh, you know we don't need the southern you know southern man don't need you around anymore or something right. like that so i guess he pissed off somebody there
0: so you go back that far with neil
1: yeah oh so, wow 70s oh wow
0: well his boat was
1: right there at the dock that's how i met him you know it's like you know his it, and he would come every night and i'm playing with my band there and he would come in the place, sit down at the table there, and you know he got to. He, we didn't become friends, friends. So it's not like I'm a friend of David's, you know. Right. But I, we'd sit down and talk with him and all that stuff. We didn't have phone numbers, you know. We didn't have cell phones in the '70s either. So, well,
0: so I... he would come in every
1: night, and uh, some nights we'd go out on his boat, sit on his boat, and pass guitars around, and smoke pot, and do uh, other things.
0: Well, that's. That's cool in itself. I mean, I've had a... I met Neil for about 15 seconds. That's about all I've ever met him, so... Well, actually, when I was 15, I stood next to him for about 10 minutes and didn't know it was him. (laughs) That was back in 77 or 76 or something. I was stupid.
1: Back in that period, Fred Neil was living in Coconut Grove, and Fred Neil wrote, Everybody's Talking at Me. Uh Uh-huh. The theme song from Midnight Cowboy. Right. He also wrote the Dolphin song. He also wrote uh, I mean Freddie Neal is like one of the first uh folkies. He goes, you know, way back with that and he told me he says one time he goes, Hey sick, I used to hire Bob Dylan for five bucks a night. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd say, Try that now. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And again, we're at that um, Monty trainer's, that outdoor place right on the water, boat docks and and I had my, my little speedboat out there. we'd run cruise around the bay and stuff and Monty would let me leave it down there, but uh, so I would take Freddie and uh, Jimmy Buffett's boat was moored out of ways, you know and, and the guy who took care of his boat says, Hey, Jimmy's out on his boat, man. He'd love to meet Freddie. So we put Freddie in my boat, and we go sit out there with Jimmy, and you know, and hang out with him. And this was before Jimmy, Jimmy's boat was small. You know, now Jimmy can afford, you know, Carnival Cruise Line. You
0: know. <laughs> yeah, I know. He gets a lot of cash for a gig. <laughs> <laughs> not to
1: mention all of his fucking restaurants and all that stuff. But oh, not...
0: yeah. He's an empire unto himself, so... <laughs> Whereas I'm sure he's got a brand of booze out and all that stuff. You oh know? yeah, he's gonna—he's another one that's gonna linger way past his expiration date too. A lot of these people are because it's just they create these empires that are gonna go long beyond them. Well, you've got—I mean, this is one of these things I'd love to—I could spend hours talking to you because you've—you've got—you've had such the life. I mean, you've got the rock and roll life. You've done it. You've played with the people. Um, how did the airplane family thing come about? I mean, how did you hook up with Peter? I talked to him the other day. He's a riot. He's he's a trip to talk to. Yeah. I mean, I've I've I actually worked with Yorma a couple of times uh, at festivals, and uh, I actually Yorma quite a few times. Him and Jack, those two are a trip. Those two are funny. P- Peter is just as funny. He might even be funnier than Yorma. <laughs> He can, he can be a lot
1: darker, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, I got that. He was <laughs> he was fun to talk to. But So how did you hook up this whole airplane family thing and, well, s- and start this?
1: I, I sat around here after my surgery and I saw the remnants of the airplane, I mean the Starship, go off and do their thing, and I'm going, how come I can't go do this? I was in this band longer than anybody in that group that's out there calling themselves the Starship.
0: Well, I gotta tell you, I did see the Starship, like with Mickey Thomas, a few years back and it was it was it was not what yeah. it should have been i mean it was just it Had no soul to it. It was just. There was no soul to the band. You, you, you do know that I didn't
1: play with Mickey, right?
0: No, I know. But I, like I said, this yeah. what it, he was it, calling he did, the did, Starship it, was not. Yeah. It was not.
1: No. It was it's, not you know, what should have it, been. It's a glorified. It's a glorified bar band.
0: Right.
1: Right. Starship. And I, I listened to some of it just recently. Number one, I couldn't believe how Mickey looked. You know, and I went, holy. Yeah.
0: Shit. I, I was didn't even recognize him when he came on stage. <laughs> he used to
1: be a good looking guy you know and get up there and he sings his ass off you yeah, know, yeah he can sing. still sing but it's you know sings, but he doesn't sing quite as good as 20 years ago nobody no. I don't play like I did 20 years ago you no, know
0: it's,
1: it's you, it, you get older you can't help it yeah you know it's funny I saw Jeff Beck the other night play uh, and, uh, not, I saw him I've seen him in person I haven't seen him on this tour I could have but I chose not to because I didn't want to really go see Johnny Depp
0: <laughs> my friend went to that show in Boston, and he said it was Johnny Depp was just what he was just out out of his league. Yeah, I mean
1: you're putting the fucking. I mean I really think that Jeff Beck is the greatest rock player. Yeah. There's guys out there like Satch and Steve Vai, and they'll all tell you Jeff's better. Jeff does something that they can't do. Now, you know, anybody can learn how to guitar gymnastics. Exactly. Jeff does something that's uncopyable. You know, just the way he bends the strings, and he touches the string, and he scratches it with his thumb, and he just, like, you know, Clapton had a good thing. He says, Jeff Beck plays the entire guitar and you being a musician can understand what he's saying.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, there are things you just can't, I mean, you can't even explain how it's done either because it's just, it, it's an innate thing that, you just do when you're playing everybody develops their style and they do things that just can't be mimicked i mean
1: it, it, it's like um it's like bb king in a way man you know i i had these uh high school kids going i can play better than bb king I, I go you know i know you can play those two notes right but you don't play them anywhere near the way he does right <laughs>
0: it's it's just and, that's and the whole nobody,
1: thing nobody else does either you can get Luke at there, you could get Carlton you could get back they don't play it like BB
0: right
1: you know it, it, it's something that's inside it's their soul
0: right it's it that's their the whole heart. thing I had this conversation with Peter the other day about you know the 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 soul of music and how music has lost its soul with it. the way music is is produced now. It's it's just it's mass produced. It's you know it's soulless and.
1: Um. But you know I, I explained it to. Uh, it's like it's like Johnny Depp with Jeff Beck is like I don't know Tiny Tim with. Uh... <laughs> 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 who the fuck did i say i forget who i use as a guitar player but it's like i don't want to hear johnny sing i want to hear jeff play
0: right right
1: and so you know the the review they got at red bank and count basie john he says he says jeff came out with a real uh you know comparable band you know are competent good players and they played an hour of instrumental music and then johnny came out wait a minute <laughs> this isn't right you got a fucking movie star like, <laughs> and you got the best guitar player in the world this is wrong i guess maybe i said Jimi hendrix when, <laughs> probably <laughs> you know?
0: it's just money it's money it's money and fame and get get you a lot of stuff and it's not always good yeah you know? put together the airplane family and you know you got it's peter funny.
1: i yeah no i called up Gaiman, and uh, michael Gaiman out in uh, my, my manager and said hey man how come i can't do this he says okay i'll tell you what when i get home let's see what we can do and we started putting this idea together and uh, that's how it all came about and we tried it and we've t- tried a couple different variations on it and uh you know the problem is is we're just not playing enough for people to notice us you know i mean we get out and play we haven't played this year we're gonna play four fucking gigs really yeah, yeah. well you know everything this year got canceled because of covid well yeah yeah that that's at yeah, these past three years it's been another two and a half three years it's been difficult you know we got we go to, over to europe every year we, and sometimes twice a year. We go at the beginning and then at the end in November. Well, the, our November gigs got all canceled in the uh, U.K. And uh, we got canceled last November in the U.K. And, and then we got uh, canceled in the U.K. in March for Wales because there was an uptick in uh, COVID there. So, you know, it's just, it's been difficult. And uh, we just can't seem to string enough gigs together to uh, get some publicity, you know?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that's the problem, too. I mean, I know from booking shows and playing, shows i mean things are back but still there are some people who are you know there's still people that are hesitant to go out in public and go to attend shows and you know things are still not i mean things are back to normal pretty much but i don't think people are back to normal you know their, their state of mind is not back to like i want to be out in a crowd of people yet there's you know the vast majority of people are like that but there's still enough that make a that it's making a difference in attendance and stuff and you know in bands like Ringo I mean I've talked about this a couple of times is you know I had was going to see Ringo and he got cancelled before COVID and then he got cancelled again and then finally it got rescheduled and it was supposed to be in the springtime. it got cancelled and got booted until like i finally saw him last month and then uh two days after that he, he, they canceled the tour again because of covid then they re reinstated the tour and then somebody got covid again and he just finally said that's it we're not gonna do it we're gonna quit we're not gonna go back out yeah i'm done yeah, it's, it's cuz it's it gets crazy. You can't you can't keep up with the the cancellations. It gets it gets crazy trying to, you know, when you route a tour, you're routing a tour geographically to make sense and then when it gets canceled, you have to go back and do these spot fill-ins. It doesn't make uh economic sense or logistic sense to do it anymore. And it, it just gets crazy and then it's like you still don't know if it's going to happen. So, it, you know, you make all these arrangements and they keep getting canceled and it you know, it takes time, money and it and it takes it kind of saps your energy too because you get psyched up to play a gig and then it doesn't happen
1: oh yeah well, we just had the sweet water taken away from us uh, just this summer two of our guys had COVID uh. and we're getting ready to go the, like four days before it's like I call up and Falzerano one of the, the singers and players in, in the airplane family I go what's up he says I got COVID I says you gotta be kidding me he says nope he Says I'm sick as a fucking dog and then all of a sudden I get a call and it says Claire's got it the, uh. the female singer I'll, I'll
0: pack it in well you guys are thing. you guys are from all over the country too. Yeah. How do you even get to rehearse, or don't you, or do you Zoom thing, or you just get uh, together and play?
1: Well, you know, we we play these songs live, so we know basically what we're doing, and we can revert back to recordings, videos, and stuff. Tell them, I say, hey, look, I want you to look at Sellersville, or this gig, or look at that, you know, this was really good, and let's let's play it like that again, you know, and so we just study upon that. And usually our rehearsal is a sound check.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> You know, yeah, I've worked with a lot of bands that do that too. So,
1: we, we, you know, my the keyboard player in Starship, he he lives in L.A. So we used to just rehearse over the phone, him and I. You know? <laughs> but it's a lot more difficult with cell phones. Cell phones, yeah. the music just sounds like shit. The landlines, which I I have a land line. I don't have a land phone. <laughs> I haven't seen my phone in twenty years. Or... <laughs> I'm still paying for that line though, man. I got to get that triple play. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have a fucking phone. She says, well, we'll take it off. It's going to cost more
0: money. I yeah, I know.
1: That's insane. My that. like double play costs more than the triple play. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's crazy. So, um i i asked peter this and i think he told me to ask you this is my girlfriend one of my girlfriend's favorite songs is today and he wanted i she wanted to know if you were going to play that at the show we're not you know who's my son's going to
1: come out and sing with us at sellersville and down at ram's head so the, the last two shows he's coming out he's got it down man he sings it you know he was born into this family right right I was sitting next to Marty and Paul and uh, Michael Gaiman when I found out that I was having a boy. You know, she had a false labor. I jumped in the car and said, I'm having a son. So he these these marty and paul knew Marky, you know before he was born right you know he was he was welcome in that family and he can sing the shit out of those he does today and coming back the answer to you john is no oh but,
0: well that's but
1: too bad maybe, maybe uh, we'll see if peter uh not calcan the other drum the drummer we'll see if he wants to sing it but right, i'm gonna have
0: she would love it <laughs> uh, and that's today. Yeah, she she'd love you to hear it. She'd love to hear that song because she tries to get me to play that one, and I try to tell her it's like you know it's it's something that I the gigs that I do I it wouldn't go in the gigs that I do because they're noisy gigs, and that's such a quiet little intricate song.
1: Oh no, yeah, you you got to have the entire audience sitting down, quiet, and here it is it's pretty I
0: did get I did get Yuama to dedicate Embryonic Journey to her the last time I saw her which was a big thrill for her because Yorma was going to play Embryonic Journey and he says this one goes out to Laurie and she was floored so uh, anything else you want to uh, throw in about the show um yeah call up all your friends you're you're gonna be doing this this paul kantner uh rock thing what was against the empire
1: the whole record you you don't know the record right
0: no i don't
1: but yeah no it's far off from the uh mainstream stuff but it was uh it's it received some award for the best sci-fi record and all this kind of stuff it's you know we've taken that record and i've done it with paul i've done that record with paul and jack and marty and and Chris Smith on keyboards on the road and stuff and and this band you know we've taken it and and made the record so much better You know, I've known that record for fucking 30, you know, as long as I've known Paul, because he turned me on to it. So it's 40 plus years. And uh, now we've taken it and made it really musical. So it's I mean, if you guys know the record, come out and listen to us interpret it. This is my interpretation of it, which also comes from Paul, because he changed a lot of this stuff later on. I can hear on that record where he was basically. You know he he had carte blanche back then you know he they had a couple airplane records they big time in the in the city there in sf and um you know he had the wally Hyder studio so he sat in there he was writing the songs in there mm. i could i could hear it you know and so when we went and rehearsed that record for the first time he says now sick i don't do that one i don't do that part anymore It got me nowhere you know <laughs> We used to call it a lot of work for no glory. You know, it's like you know those parts where you you work with the band, you go, "No, we're going to come around this turnaround," and then we'll go doo did do did and then we jump into this part over here. Finally, somebody says, "Really, you want to do all that bullshit for nothing?" <laughs> because it goes by in a
0: nanosecond, right? You know,
1: right. <laughs> it's gone. Did you notice that? No, nobody.
0: Yeah, only certain people are going to notice that, right? Who who are we trying to impress? Two musicians
1: or fucking? 200 people right
0: well the other thing is you're going to play that but you're also going to play some of the the airplane classics right
1: oh yeah we're going to go down i'll tell you here's some of them we got a list of uh i wrote it out last night where the fuck is it Yeah,
0: i'm really prepared here i understand Yeah. Sometimes I I, I prepare very, very well for an interview and I write all these notes down, and then I don't even get to ask a single question because the person, like, the conversation just goes off because they just take it over. Right. And then sometimes I don't prepare and then I. It doesn't go anywhere and so so i sometimes go in between and you know i read up on you and i knew we had that little connection from a long time ago and i figured you know i knew enough about starship and airplane that we could have a conversation so i figured i'd let you guide it
1: well uh, you know my minor in uh, college was broadcasting right so uh i always wanted to do a radio but then you know i'm in school there right these little motherfuckers walk in they're about four foot two and they come with they come in sounding like wolfman jack (laughs) hey they they kind of i mean you know you think you're talking to dorf yeah yeah. (laughs) here's this big man voice coming out of a little boy and it's like i go this is such pretentious yeah so anyway you were asking me about other um some we call them like audibles probably this is my football analogy uh so we got lather you know the gray song okay. good Shep," Good Shepherd one that Yarma does all the time right yeah do, you know, do you know that one yeah good Shepherd it's a really good song man if you don't you should learn it and play it in your show because it's one of those kind of things. It's like an eda Uh-huh. E-D-D-A-A. and it's really cool it's got nice backups then we do white rabbit somebody to love wooden ships other side of this life fat angel pretty as you feel and then uh once marky comes into the fold you got today coming back to me uh but you said song. he's
0: not going to be there at the at the narrow show though right Two he's not going to be there but
1: when he comes back in to the fold on the third gig we'll have like we can pick four or five more songs out of his stuff Do five a night of his stuff so
0: now, the thing is that uh, you have wooden ships on the list. A lot of people don't know that Paul was one of the writers of Wooden Ships.
1: Yeah, he wrote that with Stephen and David on a sailboat when they were all on acid. We're down, I, I forget where they were at, but it's, you know, I have been on David's boat, and It's beautiful, the Mayan. He sold it uh, in the last five, ten years. But, uh, yeah, it was like an 86, beautiful teak boat, man. Mm. It's just unbelievable so they were they were out somewhere on an island and uh you know they're all there can you try some of these purple berries i've been eating them the purple berries
0: happen to be acid yeah i always figured that part <laughs> you know who won the damn war <laughs> you know. Well, that's the, that's the thing is the, the, stu- the Jefferson Airplane has a version of uh, wooden ships that you know a lot of people don't know about unless you're a, a, a true fan or unless you're old and remember it too because it it's, it didn't gain the popularity of the Crosby Stills and Nash version.
1: Well, number one, the CSN version was really good vocally and all that stuff and and musically. I liked their version better. Mm. I played both versions. Right. i got to play i you know i played in david's band i played wooden chips with david then i joined paul and i played paul's version i played them both mm. and and i prefer the csn but um the reason people don't know kantner wrote that is they couldn't put the credit on the csn record
0: oh was it a, a contractual thing absolutely
1: uh. rca you know he was with rca and i don't know who they were with but um they couldn't put his name on it, but on the flip side of that, I think they got their names on the airplane record. Stills and Crosby and uh, Nash.
0: Well, I, I know you got things to do, and uh, I, I look forward to the show, because it seems like it's going to be a fun one. It's on uh, November 4th at the Narrows, and uh, you're going to hear some great great stuff and you've got great players in that band you've got amazing players in that band There's a lot of history behind the all of them as well so you should have fun man you
1: yeah. know and it's, uh, we haven't done it in a while but uh you know how that goes the yeah. riding that bicycle
0: oh yeah yeah it's gonna be fresh and it's gonna be fun wear your helmet <laughs> All right, slick. I, I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, I will see you on the fifth, and we'll we'll hang out a bit and talk. You got it, man. I'll see you next Friday. All right, thanks much. I'll talk to you. We have Peter and The airplane, like, you know, you had a lot of political stuff going on with the airplane. It was a very political time. It, the music was, too, and they had this organic sound to them that I like. We were talking about the lack of quality in music. This was totally the opposite of that. This was really good, homegrown music being made, and it was it was Yes, red.
2: yes, absolutely. And I think the organicity of that is, is really key to much of the musics from that place. At that time, I mean, I I've been reviewing recordings of the airplane, uh, both their albums and, and live stuff, and and I'm trying to think who who commented how the San Francisco sound was ruined when electronic tuners became available to guitarists.
0: Why do you think that? Because because it just
2: because nobody was tuning their fucking guitars back then. Everything <laughs> was out of tune. <laughs> 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 Everything was out of tune.
0: Did you have any association with the Grateful Dead? Did you play with them at
2: uh, all? I'd certainly shared stages with them. And uh, I was going, I started going to Stanford University at 63. So I was playing the, the folk circuit, the offstage, and the tangent. There was Jerry Garcia, Mother McCree's Uptown Jug Band, Stompers, and Pig Band, and, and Bob Weir, Dana Morgan's Music Store. See, I knew them all. And yak, 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 yak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I have, I have never sat down to learn how to play a Grateful Dead song because I do tune my guitars.
0: Well, wouldn't that be the antithesis of a Grateful Dead song? Is learning how to play it? Don't you just kind of get into it and jam? Uh,
2: I, you know, I, rather than just take acid, I could just drive an ice pick into it through an eyeball and shake up my frontal lobes and kind of <laughs> get into that state of consciousness and and, and, and go for it. <laughs> Uh, no I no that's not my face uh, I go to when I think about playing guitar.
0: <laughs> Do you play guitar or bass with the the Airplane family or both?
2: Uh I will be playing mostly bass. They have they have never really heard me play guitar. They may be into a rude fucking shock. We'll find out.
0: They may be into it. why will they be into a rude shock? Are you good or bad? I can't imagine oh, you'd be bad. I'm astonishing. Well that's good. From what yeah, I from what yeah. you played me, it sounded great. I mean it sounded you know Yes that's just the, the acoustic <laughs> So is this a no, little I, studio uh, in your house or Are you're just recording to a computer or
2: Oh God no I have a studio in my house.
0: Oh, okay. Oh
2: and 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 I do play electric
0: guitar. Oh my goodness. Yes I do. I know you play electric guitar, you mandolin, lap steel, and you play a little piano yep, and yep, stuff. Yep. But I'm just wondering what you play in the airplane, that's why.
2: Uh mostly bass. but we'll see. Maybe I'll Maybe I'll stretch out. So what, can, what are the pieces
0: What are the pieces in this band besides you and Slick? Uh, let's see. Pete
2: Lavazzoli on uh, uh, drums. Uh, Michael Falzorano as another guitarist and uh, vocalist. Claire Malone is uh, strumming away on guitar and singing the female parts. And I believe uh, Slick has a son who will be singing Martin Ballon songs like Coming Back to Me, maybe even today.
0: Oh, that would be great.
2: That'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah. so that's that's a family affair, which is kind of cool. Well,
2: I, I guess that's what they call it—the airplane family. But I never knew that that there were that many bastard children in the family. <laughs> <laughs> Where do they all come from?
0: Now, do your kids well, play, your kids play music, or or they looked at it and said, "I don't want to do what my father did."
2: They took piano lessons from uh, for, for many years and then those lessons stopped when we moved up here and now one of them is resuming his piano but they really don't exhibit much interest in guitar mercifully <laughs> and you no know, I want him, I want him to get a job <laughs> I want him to support me <laughs> But yes, they, they, uh, one, one listens to a lot of music and is, and is playing piano quite nicely.
0: Do they listen to the music that you don't like or that it, or they listen to stuff that's closer to what no, you like?
2: No, one, 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 one of them is, is really quite eclectic in his taste and he is now playing Eric Satie on the piano.
0: I don't know him. Who is he?
2: Check out Eric. His last name is S-A-T-I-E. You can search him up and listen to some of his pieces. It's quite charming. Okay. Quite lovely.
0: That's great. I mean, it's, it's yeah. nice when kids, like, I know is that a lot of kids don't play instruments these days you know they, it's, yeah, not, it's, not as yeah. it's a shame because it's uh, it's going to be yeah. a lost art if it you know if, if it dwindles out enough and music is just going to suffer even more <laughs> I hate that the truth mm. oh well it's, you know probably why uh, there's such an interest in well I hate the term classic rock but there's probably that's probably why that people gravitate towards that music more because it the only quality listening out there now pretty
2: much uh, it, it's certainly has a, a, a emotional substance and uh, performance competencies uh, and it sounds like real people doing stuff other than just going through aerobic dance exercises
0: <laughs> right yeah that's that the yeah. kind of stuff I'm not really fond of but you know it's, you, you talk about guitars being out of tune and how the tuner kind of uh, affected the whole sound but I mean I, I listen to records that you can hear mistakes on the records and they're left in and I, I like that.
2: Yes, I love that, yes. Because it it just shows
0: how imperfectly perfect it is, that it's, you know... Yes,
2: absolutely. I I think one of the the great uh, great recordings of all time is uh, the first Paul Butterfield blues band album on on Elektra, uh, which is... uh, produced by Paul Rothschild and if you have that I still have my vinyl collection you pull it out and it says play this record loud and when you listen to it yeah you can hear some flubs and shit and who cares because they're just ripping it up Mm. and the the playing is great and the sound is great and if you haven't listened to it for a while go back and do it now and play it loud yeah
0: I mean it's these days like I said it's like if they record the chorus once they just cut and paste it again for the next time they don't even record it more than once because it's too much work you know
2: Yes, it, and then, and they have to listen to shit. Where they can just cut and paste it. They don't have to abuse their sensibilities by listening to the performance. And then they have auto-tune, of course.
0: Oh, don't even get me started on that. That's ridiculous. Yeah.
2: And then, of course, you can quantize the the uh, MIDI parts. And then, yeah, it does start MIDI.
0: Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's out of control with, a, you know, like I said, music is supposed to be felt, it's supposed to have a soul, it's supposed to, you know, you're supposed to interpret it as you play it, it's not, it's it's a, I don't know, they're making it a soulless, computer-driven kind of sound, is basically what it is. I couldn't agree more. It's it's just sounds now.
2: Just thinking about geese farting and thinking how, how organic
0: they are and <laughs> how similar it is to- <laughs> How did geese farting come into this?
2: <laughs> well, you were, you were talking about music, and I thought, well, geese go full of shit, and, and geese farting kind of, except it doesn't have the bass frequencies that they put on so many of today's recordings. Yeah.
0: Anyway. I hear them in cars next to me, and I'm wondering how they actually sit in the car with the windows closed, with that with that sound going, without damaging their hearing. But that's the point of it. They're doing a good job that. of it, because I, I'm I'm a big i'm a big uh, advocate of hearing protection because i have tinnitus and it's not fun whenever i hear that it just bothers me oh yes do you have that
2: uh i i have uh i don't have tinnitus but i have suffered such hearing loss that i couldn't hear the tinnitus anyway
0: oh that
2: uh, and, and that by and that by the way is not from volumes and aging although those should shouldn't a factor to anybody it's because of, of an ear infection that came out of the blue, and when it left, it took an ear with it.
0: Oh, that's. And I
2: and, and I couldn't get any any kind of coherent response from audiologists, but like so many doctors, they practice medicine because they can never get it right.
0: Yeah, it's a guessing game a lot. It's it's amazing how much medicine is a guessing game, and yes, they don't always guess right. And they don't, you know, they're kind of like car mechanics in a way. They kind of try to figure out <laughs> stuff. And, but they just can't replace the parts as easily as a car mechanic can. Pretty much. Not yet, anyway. Maybe down the Well, when in, probably past our time, they'll do that. Well,
2: we're all a work in progress.
0: I'm a work in decay. <laughs> <laughs> Aging is not being kind to me, so...
2: No, it gets worse. Trust me.
0: I think when I was talking to your brother, I was telling him about you know I was asking him if he had hand issues from playing because I'm I have hand issues from playing for fifty years and you know he's like yeah but he's he said he had to relearn to play the guitar or something and then he recommended Yorma's CBD rub for my hand. You
2: think he'd give you the first one free? <laughs>
0: Yeah, if he, I might have, because I've tried a lot of the CBD stuff, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. It's a, it's a crapshoot with that stuff. Yeah. Do you have any well, hand I, issues I, from playing? Yes,
2: I, I lost the use of a hand for three years because of my fretting hand, and finally did surgical repairs. So I'm now fretting with two, two and one quarter fingers.
0: Oh, what did they have to do?
2: Uh they cut some of the annular rings on the ring finger.
0: Oh, a guy knew a guitar player. They, they recommended him having that done, but I think he. He avoided it. He didn't want to have it done. I think he just lives with uh, it now. It's a uh, little...
2: Well, it, it, kind of, it kind of works.
0: Kind of works?
2: Kind of works. I mean, Django Reinhardt made do with two fingers, so...
0: Yeah, I've seen those pictures. That always always amazes me that he does that. Oh, but, my God. But then again, if you watch uh, Steven Stills play guitar, he ten- has a tendency to just use two fingers, too, when he plays lead.
2: Huh. I've noticed well, that about what, what else do you need? <laughs> I believe it's John Jorgensen of the Helicasters who uh, played Django Reinhardt in a movie about Django. And he is doing all the fretting with two fingers as well. But he's a monster player, whatever he does.
0: Well, people, I mean, people do develop their own styles of playing and they adapt to the instrument what suits them. And some people who've never learned how to play like with lessons learned on their own and they learned how how it how to play however was comfortable for them and it works a lot of people play incorrectly when they're you know positioning their hands and stuff but they play very well it does, and it doesn't it works for them so
2: you no know, you do whatever whatever works it's what's
0: right. so um, you're going to be playing the narrows coming up at the beginning of november and you're going to be playing the 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 Paul Kantner music some of the the airplanes other stuff and you said you had some Marty Ballon songs in there as well how long of a show do you think it's going to be is it going to be a good long show or well
2: as I say we will probably be playing internal jam so, now this is a question that I can't answer because I am Really relying on Slick to uh, devise the set lists and the program material.
0: Is he the boss of the band? Uh, sure, why not?
2: <laughs> let, let, well, let me rephrase it. How about musical director?
0: Okay. Well, yeah, I, I read that he was musical director in, in uh, the the Starship. When Paul asked him to join, he wound up being musical director of the Starship. Well,
2: Well, there he is. He should be comfortable in that position by now.
0: So who put this band together initially? Did it just kind of happen or was it a planned assembly of people that, or did it just kind of people just kept getting together and playing and they were like, well, we ought to kind of bring this to the state.
2: That, that's certainly not likely, seeing as are all separated geographically and temporally. Oh, I would say that this devolves to uh, the promoter of this venture, Michael Gaiman, who has been an enthusiast about Blows Against the Empire since he saw us at Radio City Music Hall in 1972. And he was Paul's manager and agent uh, until Paul's death. So he He's been a supporter and enthusiast about these musics for decades um, and has been promoting this and this ensemble in its various guises for years.
0: You don't have a website for this band. You just have a Facebook page. I couldn't find a website.
2: I wouldn't know. I don't have Facebook. No. I'd rather eat my flesh than look at Facebook.
0: Yeah. I kind of need to use it, unfortunately. I don't, I'm so sorry. It's, it's gets worse by the day, trust me. Oh, yes. I believe you. That's all I could find was a Facebook page, and there wasn't a lot of information on there.
2: Well, make it up. <laughs> Well, that's so why I'm hoping hyper- to get it from you. No, no, no. I rely on you for hyperbole.
0: D- Does Grace own the name Jefferson Airplane? Is she the one that owns uh, the name Jefferson Airplane now? Do you know?
2: I have, I have no idea. I'm, I'm wondering if I can just play this opening stanza of the song I'm working on and see if you think I can play guitar. <laughs>
0: What do you think? I like it. It's very uh, Leo Kotke-ish and, you know, William Ackerman style. Yep. I like that. It's very good. Yeah, finger style. Hopefully I can hear it, the whole thing completed sometime.
2: God, me, you and me both. I'm getting ready to walk across the street and let my neighbor's dogs out because they're out of town before they shit all over the floor. Oh, we don't want that.
0: No. Because then you'll have to clean it up. Perish the
2: thought. All right,
0: well, go take (laughs) care of the dogs for the shit on the floor. I don't want to have to have you call me up and say the dog shit on the floor and I'm pissed off at you. Yeah,
2: come out and clean it. (laughs) John, it's been my good pleasure speaking with you. Thank Uh, you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very
0: much for taking the time. You bet. Bye-bye. Okie dokie. Thanks to Peter Kakaunen and Slick Aguilar of the Airplane Family for being part of this episode of the Roots Report podcast. The Airplane Family will be landing at the Narrow Center for the Arts on Friday, November 4th. For more about the show, taxi over to NarrowCenter.org. The Roots Report podcast is presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by The Parlor, All One Entertainment, The Trinity Brewhouse Beer Garden, Grey Sale Brewing of Rhode Island, and SE Microphones. Thanks for listening.